Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing Every Night is Another Story, the sixth episode of season one, which was written by Mike Kelly, directed by Jason Moore, and originally aired on October 28th, 2003. So I have something to say. What is that? So in case you do not know this, I am very gay. (laughs) I know that very well. (laughs) Okay. Wait, how did you know? You told me, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Back on the high school school bus. (laughs) Between the One Tree Hill conversations? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but anyway, so now that that's out of the way, and now that all of our listenership is very much aware of this, I have to talk about how gay this episode is. (laughs) So... For, I know you have thoughts too, Caitlin. After I pointed it out to you, I know you point you pointed something out to you. What did you what did you notice that was gay? <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole gladiator scene where they're two shirtless men asked to fight each other. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> that part especially. <laughs> yeah, and then like I mean, start, and, like when um Nathan and Lucas like walk into the store, like how the camera like pans on them and like loves them, make sure to show their entire body to make it say, "Ooh, this is sexy." I mean, there's some like rapey undertones. I think there are because I feel like we were supposed to think this is funny because it's like, "Oh, look at all these guys are getting two men to take off their clothes." Oh, ha, ha. but what do you think about it? Any gender? Very creepy. Yeah, it is. Could you imagine just, like, asking any, like, kidnapping somebody and being like, hey, take your clothes off and fight? That, it really is creepy, yeah. It's very gay, but it's kind of like a problematic type of gay. But what is not a problematic type of gay, let me tell you this. So when I first watched this, well, not when I first watched it, like, during my recent rewatch, I should say, I did some research, and I was like, why is this episode so gay? So I did some digging. Jason Moore, the director, is totally gay. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes me think, like, he definitely wanted to put in a queer aesthetic to this, so... That's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, Jason... And let me tell you how I ended up going down this rabbit hole. I decided to Google him. He directed the first Pitch Perfect movie and produced the other two. Wow. Are you serious? Yes. (laughs) And he also directed the Broadway show Avenue Q, which is another very gay show. I don't know much about Avenue Q. It's gay. Just take my Good word to for know. it. It's it's very gay. <laughs> so yeah, there was so there was representation in this episode that I didn't even know I was going to get, honestly. And I was very, very happy. Go Jason. That's awesome. Always and Forever is spoiler free, but if you're a longtime One Tree Hill fan or don't care about spoilers, stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion where we go wild and talk about foreshadowing and all the fun things. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. During an away game, Lucas and Nathan get into a fight about Haley and Peyton, and Whitey benches the two Scott brothers. During the scuffle, Brooke inadvertently gets injured and has to see the on-site med student to heal her injuries. Peyton stays behind to drive Brooke home, and while waiting, she runs into Haley, who has just missed the bus, and offers to drive her home as well. Brooke then comes out of the student's office, and it turns out she receives something a little stronger than aspirin. During the bus ride home, Whitey angrily throws Lucas and Nathan out, telling them to walk home, which is probably illegal, but we'll let it go. Then players from the opposing team find them walking home. They then force them into the car, threaten them with a gun, take their clothes off, and challenge them to fight each other in a wrestling match fit for a gay porn that I definitely have seen. However, Lucas and Nathan find themselves working together to outsmart their opponents, get their clothes back, and escape. Meanwhile, Peyton's car breaks down, resulting in Haley and Peyton walking off to find the nearest gas station, leaving Brooke to watch the car. The ladies bond over what to do about their prospective love interests, Lucas for Peyton, and Nathan for Haley. Once the three women are safely driving home in the car, they almost collide with Nathan and Lucas. Everyone is left wondering how the little partner switch-up came about. In other news, at the Small Business League dinner, the other Scott brothers, Dan and Keith, also get into a fight about their relationships. Jealousy seems to run in the family. It also looks like Heron and Keith had their first date. 
with Keith confessing his love for her at the end of the night, shortly before passing out. You know, we should totally hang out more. What is your name? Caitlin Illinich? Yeah, I don't like that name. Let's call you Jeremy Rodriguez. Okay? All right, Jeremy, let's do it. So this episode is titled after the song Every Night's Another Story by The Early November. What did you think of the song, Jeremy? Um, on its own, didn't really like it as far as, like, the actual music is concerned. But I did think it connected to the episode, though. And I think it's all in the first verse. Yeah, I I would agree that the beginning of the song definitely had more of a connection. I kind of liked the song. You did, really? It had, like, an emo 2000s vibe to it, which (laughs) I feel like is totally One Tree Hill. (laughs) That was very popular at the time. Well, it's coming back, actually. Yeah, kind of. But there's nothing like 2000s emo stuff. (laughs) All the feels. Just being an angsty teenager, so. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of music for us to dissect. (laughs) Like that in One Tree Hill. <laughs> so I'm excited. And I cannot freaking wait. But anyway, yeah, the first verse, though, it says, Make your way down the face of everything we know and go so far, see other places and other people I won't know about. Basically sums out the episode. Like, all the characters are getting exposed to different types of people. There's the three girls. Haley has her hands out with Peyton and Brooke for the first time. Well, mostly Peyton. Brooke wasn't really there. We can't really say she was. Um, And then Nathan and Lucas are starting to get along a little bit. So I think that first verse, like, sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, too. All of the characters are kind of almost dealing with, like, the unknown in this episode because the girls are forming relationships or a friendship, potentially. And Nathan and Lucas are trying to figure themselves out as brothers. Like, they haven't really accepted the fact that they're brothers yet, but you start to see glimpses of that Mm -hmm. in this episode for the the first time. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I just gotta say, I love this episode. Every time that I'm rewatching season one, this is always the one I am most looking forward to. And no, it is not just because of a shirtless Chad Michael Murray and James Lafferty. Are you sure about that? I am sure about it. Okay, like, (laughs) it might play a small part in it. Let's be honest here. Stop calling me out, Jeremy. I really look forward to this episode as well. Yeah, it's just fun. It's funny, and the characters, I don't know, you get to see them in a different way. You haven't seen them like this yet in the series. So I feel like it reveals a lot of things to come, in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. Sets up a lot of relationships. and Yeah, it does. Even, I think Peyton is, like, the most different than she has been all season so far. And I feel like this episode, this is true Peyton moving forward. Yeah, it is. Speaking of Peyton, can we talk a little bit about that mixed CD that she gave Lucas? It said, P.S. whatever. Does she mean Peyton Sawyer whatever? Or does she mean Postscript whatever? Huh. I guess it could be either. Maybe that was their intention. Because, I mean, she gave it to him as, like, an olive branch for, like, you know, like, hey, things were really crappy last week, and this is just me, you know, saying thank you. Although I really didn't like how she said, like, it's, you know, it's to give me karma points. I'm like, Peyton, you don't have anything to apologize for. Like, you were going through some shit. I, yeah, she doesn't, she really doesn't have anything to apologize for. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, she's so hard on herself. I know. Which, I mean, like, let's be honest about, like, who created the show. Like, you know, it's probably, like, you know, blaming women for shortcomings, even when, mm. like, it actually is valid. Like, you know, you have you have these feelings, and your feelings are valid, so you don't need to apologize for it at all. And Lucas would definitely be understanding of that, too, so. Exactly. In a complete contrast to that, though, I did love how Brooke came into Peyton's bedroom, and then she just sort of, like, comes in, she's like, all right, are you not gonna yell at me? Like, she doesn't hold anything against Peyton at all. Yeah, that's And I thought that was just really sweet. They just kind of moved on from the that scene in the last episode where Peyton freaks out. You know, I think it would have been nice though if Brooke said like, hey, Peyton, what's wrong? Like, what are you going through? Like, let's unpack this. I still think that would have been nice to do, but I'll still take it. The fact that she just like lets it like completely brush past them. And the tone of that scene was meant to be kind of lighthearted. So I think that's what their intention was. So I guess that's why they didn't go a little bit deeper. Yeah, I got it, but I thought it was cool, though, regardless. And I love when Brooke, like, threw the pom-poms at Peyton 
just like what Peyton said to her. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So it shows you that they can go through rough patches and still like move on from that, which that's refreshing to see. Yeah, not definitely. That, not that we can say the last episode was a rough patch, but like they can have moments. Any best friends would have moments that they're annoyed with each other, but then they move on from it. Yeah. So it's cool. And I think it just shows like how strong the relationship is. What else happens during those scenes? Oh, Nathan invites Haley to go to the away game. Did you ever go to an away game in high school? I did. I did go. I saw the championship. I remember. Oh, Okay, and the basketball championship. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which sports? I think it was like we won the state championship. I think, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I obviously don't know shit about this. Like, oh, we won a game, great. So yeah, it is a real realistic thing. So did you drive to the away game, or did you um take like a fan bus, like Haley took? Drive. Oh, okay. Because I have so many questions about, like, how did Haley end up, like, missing the bus? Like, you know, did they, like, this is a I high know, school. Right? Did they not check on them or anything like that? Like, come on, you're responsible for fucking minors here. Like, the adults are really irresponsible in this episode. <laughs> it's it's really, really um, problematic. <laughs> Some of the stuff that <laughs> went on. Yeah, which we'll talk about one moment yeah, we'll, a little bit <laughs> We'll get to later. that in a moment, but definitely um, would not be happening in a real high school. Let's go. So let's go to the game. So I think Nathan likes Tudor Girl, but I think Tudor Girl likes Lucas. And I know I like Lucas, and I don't know who the hell you like anymore. This is all turning into one big love rectangle plus one. Whatever Whatever that that is. is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, one of the best Brooke Davis quotes. (laughs) (laughs) An iconic quote. Oh, I love it. I love that Brooke says, like, okay, like, you know, you have a you have a pass for Lucas this weekend, but after that, he is mine. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, she puts her hold on him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So will Peyton make a move? Not in this episode, at least. <laughs> but we will see. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> But anyway, um, Nathan and Lucas, they get into, like, this big fight because they were just arguing about their prospective girlfriends. Well, not even, yeah, prospective girlfriends, I would say. Lucas overhears Nathan saying, oh, I can't wait to hit that. He's referring to Haley. And then Lucas runs over to Peyton and says, you know, I saw Nathan in the shower. No wonder you broke up with him, which was hilarious, by the way. Problematic to, like, you know, insult um, Dick's eyes, but, you know. I just, I still think it was kind of funny, regardless. In a 2003 perspective, it is funny. And then that causes the two of them to get into a fight. I'm getting sick of these fights between these two. (laughs) Like, they're supposed to be working together in the middle of a basketball game, and they can't even do that. Yeah, by now. Nathan provokes him, though. He does, and I... He didn't like what Lucas was doing during the game, and then that's what led him to make that comment to Haley, and then that's what led Lucas to make that comment to Peyton. So it's just like they feed off of each other. But yeah, Nathan definitely instigates most of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Most of it, yeah. He definitely does. <laughs> <sighs> but then poor Brooke gets injured. Yeah, and actually I forgot that's how she got injured. Yeah. Like, I honestly forgot that detail because I know Brooke gets injured and she ends up in the physical therapist's office or whatever. But I I just didn't remember that, like, she got caught in the fight itself. I don't know why I forgot that little detail. Is it Was it actually a physical therapist? Student was supposed to, I guess, training to be one. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we said med student in the script. So, like, whatever. If it's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> Med student, physical therapist, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's the same thing. I, and I, I apologize a to any med students. A professional or a professional in training. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I apologize to any physical therapist or med students that we have insulted with that. So if we did, please call us out. Email us, alwaysothpod at gmail.com. Um, but a little bit about that scene in the med student's office, the physical therapist, whatever. This is really creepy. Like, I don't blame Brooke for, like, trying to seduce him and, like, you know, try to get something extra. I don't blame her at all. But he should not have fallen for it. She is 16 years old, and he said he was a junior in college, so he has to be, like, at least 21. Yeah, it's really... mm. Perverted a little bit. There's so many, like, adult moments in this episode that are just like, (laughs) how is this happening? And that's one of them. 
But anyway, he ends up giving her um, two painkillers. She's supposed to take half every 12 hours. She ends up taking both of them right away. And then that makes her all loopy. Loopy Brook? Fun Brook? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. I think it's so funny, but at the same time, it is kind of sad because Brooke doesn't really, like, the real Brooke doesn't really get to be present in this episode. Yeah, that's true. She's kind of out there in her own world. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, this episode is more about, like, um, Haley and Peyton bonding, more so than it is um, Brooke jumping into that. If anything, Brooke is just, like, the comedy mule. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. She really is the comic relief in this episode. It doesn't really propel her forward in any way, like, develop her character, but I found, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but Peyton and Haley do connect in this episode, and there are things revealed about them. But then I love how, towards the end of the episode, Brooke says something along the lines. She's like, do you actually think you'll be friends in the morning, like, or the next day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it awkward, because <laughs> then you know that Haley and Peyton are thinking, like, oh, tonight was just, like, a fluke. Maybe we won't really be friends. And it was Loopy Brooke saying that, but sometimes, you know, when people are in states like that, they say things that are the truth. And in this she case, I feel then, like was she? she was, well, she was awake, but I feel like she was loopy till the end. Then she was asleep. So she was like just waking up. So yeah, I think like, I think the drugs like wore off at that point. Mm. Possibly. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I would like to think she was just loopy and she wasn't just that mean. I know. I feel like she was, yeah, she was definitely mean to say that, but. Yeah. Okay. I would, I, I actually like that take. I like that she's, she's still under the influence at that point. I mean, I don't know anything about painkillers, about how like long they no. last in you. I mean, she passed out. I don't know how long it was for them to go get gas and come back and everything, but she passed out and she was asked where they all were. And Haley said, miles from normal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that moment. was cute. So, okay, cool. Brooke was loopy. That's a good hot take, Jeremy. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. What I also found interesting, the scenes with Peyton and Haley, is that I feel like it they continue to develop the relationships. And I like how, how Peyton was t- telling Haley to be careful with Nathan. And then yeah. Haley then questions Peyton if she would actually consider dating Lucas. And then Peyton goes off in typical Peyton fashion about, like, it has to be the perfect song or how I'm feeling in the moment or whatever. <laughs> it's like, stop thinking too much, Peyton. I know, Just she really happen. does think too much. <laughs> but I feel like this is the first honest conversation that you had between Peyton and Haley. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it revealed a lot about the direction the show's going in. Yeah, and definitely. I like... I do like how Peyton, and you've seen this in previous episodes too, there's been a few moments, like, she's not mad at Haley for maybe, we don't even know if Haley likes Nathan at this point, but I like how Peyton isn't upset by the idea of it, at least, which is refreshing to see with two female characters for once. Yes, it is refreshing to see, and I do like that Peyton does say to be careful with Nathan, but I have to ask, Peyton was in such a bad, toxic relationship with Nathan. Why would she want that for somebody else? Yeah, I don't know why she would. That's that's also another good point. Yeah, I feel like there's so many red flags. Like, I don't know, I feel like that could have been a good opportunity for Peyton to be like, oh, you know what, like, um, Nathan may come off as very charming, he may seem like a great guy, but he actually treated me like shit. And I don't think there would be anything wrong with saying that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there'd be anything wrong with saying that. Nathan's just not looking good. Uh, For the past five episodes, he's just not looking very good. (laughs) So I don't know why, like, why Peyton's even endorsing this. Like, for Haley's protection, I mean. I think Peyton, in a way, she kind of recognizes that she wasn't in the right place. Like, I'm not putting any blame on Peyton at all. But I don't think she was in the right place to be in a relationship with Nathan. Nathan wasn't in the right place to be in a relationship either. So, for lack of a better word, they're almost kind of damaged in a way. Like, I feel like that's a terrible word to use, but currently they they feel that way. Like, they're damaged. Not to say they can't be redeemed, but I just feel like there's so many emotions going on with both of them and stress. And it became a toxic relationship. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Peyton realizes that things are a bit different with Haley. Maybe Haley would be better 
But still, at this point, Nathan is pretty toxic, so. Yeah. I guess I could see that, too. It's like sort of just realizing that, hey, you know what? I wasn't the best person either. You know, mm-hmm. Nathan's pretty shitty, but like I didn't help matters either. But I and don't that know. is There's absolutely liars. not putting blame on Peyton. I'm just going to repeat that again, yeah, <laughs> because no, like obviously Nathan was terrible to her, and like he had no reason to be. Yeah, maybe it's her way of seeing something good in Haley and saying that like, yeah. hey, you're you may actually be a good girl for him because I wasn't. Maybe she trusts Haley's judgment too, because. I mean, so far from what we've seen of Haley, and I know Peyton doesn't know Haley too too well, but she's a pretty reasonable character. Pretty yeah, fair. Definitely. And- By the way, <laughs> this is completely unrelated. <laughs> you know the when they go to the gas station and Haley tries to uh, siphon the gas with her <laughs> mouth. And then Peyton's like <laughs> She says, have you had practice? Like, that's like a funny little joke. I did not know what watch out for the golf ball meant. I'm like, is that a common phrase? Oh, what does that mean? Uh, Is this a family podcast? Should I repeat it? Oh, God. If it's something, I don't know if I know what that means. (laughs) They they said that? Yes. Like, when when, um, Haley starts talking about it. I can infer what that means. (laughs) (laughs) She said, watch out for the golf ball. So I had to look it up on Urban Dictionary. Oh, you! Ha- I could kind of guess. Yeah, let's not yeah. go there. But <laughs> wow, I didn't really catch that line. So then you said it. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Watch out for the golf ball. Like, I want to know why is it called a golf ball? Period. Like, I'm like, okay. So I just—that's interesting. Have to Google you that. always catch these little lines. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. Oh, you're funny. Um, <laughs> is this a family podcast? <laughs> it is. It's family friendly. Even though I definitely said fuck earlier. (laughs) Anyway, all the drugs and sex that we talk about, it's like, this is a family podcast. Blame One Tree Hill. Anyway, but also in the car, Haley tells Peyton, he cares about you, you know? And it's just very vague. And then Peyton's like, we just need some music. But like, who does Haley Haley say that in the middle of them driving? It was a very awkward thing to say. Maybe it's just a way of, like, comforting somebody. Just say, like, he cares about you, you know? Next time we drive together, Caitlin, I'll just just say that to you. Just turn to you and be like, he cares about you, you know? (laughs) It just seemed, like, so random. Like, they were talking a while ago, and now they're driving in the car, and she just randomly says that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck, I I slipped up. I was trying to call you Jeremy for the whole episode. (laughs) Whatever. So yeah, Jeremy! (laughs) I'm going to say that to you next time we get in the car together, Jeremy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like, who was Haley talking about, though? Is she talking about Nathan or Lucas? So we're done talking about the girls. Let's talk a little bit about the shirtless, oiled-up men as they fight in their underwear and wrestle each other. Okay, before we get to that, <laughs> <laughs> we need to spend a moment on the fact that Whitey... Literally oh, yes, threw them please. off the bus <laughs> in the middle of a dark wooded area on a very isolated road with not very good lighting. He would be fired. In reality, if that happened, you would be fired. That's child endangerment. How is that legal? For real? It's like a trope, I feel like, in a way. I don't even know if trope's the best word to describe it, but like- I was going to say, is that a trope? That- <laughs> what? I was going to say, is that a trope with like adults like- Putting kids in I dangerous feel like situations. I've seen other shows and movies where, like, the kids are just kicked out of the car or they're kicked off the school bus or something and they just have to walk home. Like, I feel like I've seen that in more than one show. It's a thing, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Interesting. It's just like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. So I'm going to kick you out of the car or the bus and you have to walk home and think about what you did. <laughs> what? It's really stupid. You mentioned it, uh, it made me think about there's an episode of Desperate Housewives where Lynette kicks her kids out of the car. Oh, yeah. And she just drives away. She just like, she drives away for like a little bit. And then her goal is to turn around, come pick them up. Because it's just a point to scare them, essentially. Good point. like, I don't remember exactly what happens. Like, don't they end up finding an adult? And then the adult's like, you left your kids on the side of the road. And then it becomes, like, this big thing. Yeah, I remember that. And I can remember one. I think there's something in Friday Night Lights that's just like that with the school bus and a coach kicking them off. Really? What happened there? Someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but 
It's just like a, a similar thing. Like, I'm going to kick you off the bus and teach you a lesson. <laughs> Especially considering, too, like, what Nathan and Lucas ends up going through. Mm-hmm. They get kidnapped and everything, too. Like, seriously, they could sue the school. They, they did get injured. They did get injured at the end of the day. <laughs> well, for the sake of a TV show. <laughs> oh, my God. It works well for the story, but it's really, really... <laughs> Uh, a problem. <laughs> because Nathan and Lucas end up working together. They do, finally. Finally, they work together because they are pretty much forced to work together because these guys are just awful. Who would think getting oiled up and getting half naked and fighting could lead to two people working together? Again, I have seen a gay porno like that. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> <laughs> It starts off as a fight, so then it's like, oh, let's let it happen. To clarify, the porno I saw, they were not brothers. I hope not. <laughs> I just, really, really hope not. <laughs> just want to clarify that. But, you know, it's okay for me to say this, because Chad Bakamari and James Lafferty are not brothers. Yeah, you know? So, yeah, this episode was really about the male gays. So true. And See what I did there? I can't. I see what you did there. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, just want, I just want my jokes to be acknowledged. I want to feel seen, so... I think these guys are just, I can't believe they're actually pointing a gun at them. We found yeah. out it's just a starter, but, which I don't even really know what that means, but. <laughs> oh, is that what they say? It's just a starter? Uh-huh. They say that oh. later on. Like a flare gun? I guess. I don't really know anything about guns, so. If it's a flare gun, why does a flare gun look a lot like a real gun? I don't know, but I can't believe it got to that extreme, you know, that they yeah. had a gun. It's just all bizarre to me. Pointing mm-hmm. a gun. They want them to take their clothes off. Then they have to go into a store, half naked, and buy feminine cleanser. They have to buy beer. And beer. And they're like, would you card us? <laughs> but also, I have to ask this. Um, When they got out of the car, like, they didn't have their clothes or anything like that. But when they got out of the car, did they have any other valuables on them? I guess not. So what is stopping them from just, like, going to the clerk or something just to be like, hey... These guys out here are threatening our lives. They told us to get naked and come in here. We need help. I know. I feel like it's made to be funnier than it really, like, in reality, if this were to happen, it's not funny at all. Yeah, it's dangerous. I think, because I feel like it's like, oh, it's a bunch of men threatening a bunch of other men. But, like, could you imagine, like, if it was the opposite? Like, let's say if it was, like, Peyton and Brooke on the side of the road and they were, like, the cheerleaders and they decided to punish them. There would be a completely different story happening. Yeah, it'd be a totally different tone. But I still say, Thin, Thin 1, and Thin 3, they are gay. I had never thought of it that way before until you brought it up. Let's go back real quickly to the part where they bring Nathan into the car. For one, then, the license plate, did she catch the license plate? No, I didn't. It says Thin 2. Oh, really? Yeah, so there is a Thin 2, (laughs) and it's the car. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) That whole interaction was so funny. Like, it's like, I'm Thin. Who are you? Thin one. Oh, wait, let me guess. Thin two? No, I'm Thin three, because I'm the third. <laughs> so funny. The thing is, these guys, why do they care so much? Exactly. I mean, I know your reasoning, but gosh, <laughs> what makes them care well, I mean, I don't so care much? How gay you are. I don't care how gay you are. You should not be doing this. For the record, I do not condone this. I don't, I'm making a lot of jokes about like it being like, oh, cool, they just wanted to see two guys get naked. But like, no, you should not do this, gay or straight. It's just, oh my God. When you really start to think about this, it's wild. <laughs> so I want to just touch on like Nathan and Lucas working together because- yes. I think it was clever how Nathan, yeah, I think it was Nathan, right? He pretended to throw the key into the woods, the yeah. car key into the woods, and then- Yeah, it turned out to be the key, right? No, which was awesome. Yep. So that was really, that was really clever. And they were able to get their clothes back, but then obviously the car didn't work, so they had to bail anyway. But I don't know. I, th- I thought that was just a clever way for them to get away in general. And oh, yeah. Because I feel like there was just no hope with those guys- Oh my gosh, I just can't imagine if that continued to go on, them fighting and everything. It just could have gotten really bad. But earlier, Peyton and Haley had a real conversation, but now on this, on the guy's side of things, Lucas and Nathan actually have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was really, I don't know, I found this scene really interesting to me. Because Nathan told Lucas a story about how his dad reacted violently to... Uh, little league game when he he was coaching back when Nathan was a little kid 
and Nathan just did something that Dan didn't like. And in this moment, Nathan tells Lucas, you know, consider yourself lucky because you never had to deal with that. That scene was really telling to me because maybe that'll help the two brothers kind of see each other's perspective a little bit more, or at least to help Lucas see Nathan's perspective because he, he can consider like what Nathan's childhood was like because it could have been just like his own if Dan was part of it. Yeah, definitely. I know Nathan is like the um the picture of privilege, but at the end of the day, he still has Dan, and that's not fun, as we can say. But I do like that Nathan thanks Lucas for essentially saving him. And he says, you know, you didn't have to get in the car. And then Lucas says, but who else am I going to fight with? <laughs> so maybe the tension... Maybe the tension is lifting a little bit? I think so, yeah. We'll see what happens in the future. But later on, and this is going to transition us to our next topic, Dan calls up Nathan, and Nathan doesn't answer the phone or anything, because he's in the middle of nowhere. He can't answer the phone. Um, He says, Nathan, I'm starting to get worried. Uh, Send your stats to my phone when you get this. He just can't. Like, he has to be in control of basketball every moment. Yeah, that just paints a picture of who Dan is right there. He's mm-hmm. just, like, send your stats. You should be more worried about the fact that your son hasn't called. I know. And Nathan even said to Lucas, and this was all part of the same conversation, he, he said, just wait until my dad finds out that I was kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. You can only imagine what will happen. Exactly. So I feel like we made some progress with Lucas and Nathan this episode, but... In regards to the other Scott brothers, Keith and Dan, not a lot of progress was made at Ooh, all. Oh, definitely not. Because they got into a physical fight. Because <laughs> Dan's an ass. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about it. That, I cannot imagine being at that small business league dinner. Oh my gosh. And they were all sitting at the same table. The four of them. Karen, Keith, Deb, and Dan. Can you imagine the tension? Because, gosh, we only saw a glimpse of glimpse of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So throughout the entire dinner, Dan is essentially egging Keith on. Dan insults Keith's business. He said Keith lacked initiative, and that's why he's successful now. That's why Dan's successful now, I should clarify. And then that's when Keith says, like, oh, you know, didn't you um, sponge off of Deb's father? Which I'm like, this is actually good background info that I never knew before. I had no idea that, like, Deb's dad is who offered Dan the job, and then essentially, like, Dan, like, built himself up in the company from there. I had no idea about that, did you? No, I didn't have any idea about that either. So that was interesting to know. I was like, okay, that's how that's how they ended up getting so privileged, despite the fact that they were both teen parents. That's how they ended up getting so wealthy and financially well-off, in contrast to Karen, who is, you know, is at a more low-income state. They should all be proud of themselves. Like, Keith has his motor shop, And Karen has her cafe. Dan has his car dealership. I don't understand. There's so much jealousy here. Or at least on Dan's end, I guess. I don't know what he really is jealous of or just annoyed about. But it's just not helpful. And it's not fair because Keith has his own level of success too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, this is a small business dinner. They should all be like congratulating each other. Like, yeah, you did it. (laughs) Yep. But of course, Dan has to take it to the next level and shame other people. Mm-hmm. On a brighter note, I like the scene with Deb and Keith. Because you asked, yes. this is our first scene with Deb and Keith, right? And I believe so, yeah. She, Deb, you know, she understands that, that Keith has feelings for Karen and he actually admits it to her, which I thought was a sweet moment. And it just shows you the dynamics between other members of the family. Like, Deb and Keith get along. It's clear. Mm-hmm. Just Dan, he's always holding everyone back, I guess, from really being a happy family. Or at least a functional family. Yeah. She, um, Deb tells Keith the reason, why she, the reason why she stays with Dan is because she has Nathan to consider, which is tragic in its own right, to stay with your abusive spouse because you're trying to protect your child. That's terrible. And then there's Keith who's saying why... He won't make a move on Karen. And he says, like, oh, it would complicate things, yada, yada, yada. But Keith doesn't actually have anything to fear, though, because earlier in the episode, Lucas actually told Karen, he said that, you know, if you and Keith were to get together, I'd be okay with it. Which I thought was so sweet. Mm. 
Yeah, that is sweet. Karen tells him, good luck with the game. And he's like, yeah, you too, Ma. (laughs) It's funny that Karen, her feelings change from the beginning of the episode to the end. Because Mm -hmm. Lucas kind of put a bug in her ear. Like, this could be a date. She didn't want to admit that. But then at the end, both Keith and Karen, they admit to each other that they were both pretending it was a date, which was another really cute moment in this episode. And then Keith says, and I love you at the end. I know. How is that going to ruin things, though? Because it took it a little too far. But he was drunk, so. But, I mean, at this point, though, like, is it ruining anything? I don't know. I don't know how Karen feels about that. I don't know. It seems like, at least she was sending, like, signals like that to Lucas. It seems like she is okay with it. She hasn't explicitly said anything. Granted, maybe Keith probably should have respected Karen's boundaries a little bit and, like, you know, said that at, you know, if he was in love with her, he probably should have said it at a better time. I do get that, but at this point, I don't think that's going to ruin anything. Because the feeling seems to be mutual. Yeah, I I am really rooting for both of them. Unlike Deb and Dan. Oh, gosh. I, Deb, oh. God Poor Deb. She wanted mm. to get away for the weekend. She thought, uh, is this the weekend? I don't even know, like, what what day of the week this is supposed yeah, to be she on. She wanted to have a nice weekend getaway. I guess it was on a Friday, maybe. Yeah. It was and, overnight, at the very least. Yeah. Because they, yeah, I think it was a Friday. But she wanted to have a nice getaway. And they can't even do that, because Dan has to go and ruin it. Yeah, and then he tries to, like, throw it back on Nathan. He says, Nathan's prospects took a huge blow tonight. And then Teb's like, that's the wrong answer, Dan. And if you don't know that, then I don't know you anymore. And then Dan's like, yeah, well, the feeling's mutual. And then that's what Deb says. I'm going to go pack our things. I think we should go home. So they don't even get that night away. Who would want to spend a weekend with him or a night away when he acts like that? It's just sad. Like, I feel like when you're when you're in a bad relationship like that, sometimes you'll think like, oh, like, you know, maybe something good will happen if we do something nice together. And that's not that's not the case. So it seems like Dan and Deb are drifting apart as Keith and Karen are getting closer together. Interesting. What Mm -hmm. will happen next, Jeremy? I don't know. And we have no idea what happens with the kids because at the very end of the episode, we see that Peyton, Haley, and Brooke almost collide into Nathan and Lucas, and then they pick them up, and then they all drive together. And then the episode ends with Haley looking off at Peyton, and then Peyton turns around. Like, it looks like the two of them want to say something, but then they don't. And let me tell you, that's I feel like that's a moment that happens a lot, like, when you're younger. Like, sometimes you'll have, like, a really great night with, like, one particular peer in high school. A good night, a good day. You can even have, like, a good class with them or something like that. And then they'll just completely ignore you, like, the next day. That's a really good point. It is very high school. Yeah. I even remember, like, watching this episode, like, for the first time, even when I was younger, I kept saying, like, this is something that happens all the time. Yeah, because you notice that you have, like, a connection with someone, whether that's, you know, a friendship or whatever it is, and then the next day, you're just back with your regular friends or doing your regular routine, and that person just doesn't fit into it. So it's almost like they're realizing that they're part of different worlds, but- I don't really believe that to be the case. I know Brooke and Peyton are are meant to be, like, these really popular girls, but I feel like it's more so that Brooke is, like, the popular one. I feel like Peyton's a loner. I could say that, yeah. I think Peyton just sort of, like... I can see Peyton being the type of person who's just, like, off on her own, and then Brooke just, like, comes up and joins her and is like, Hey, you, I'm gonna keep you. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they just, like, never separated from there. Like, and I think that's kind of endearing. That's what I say. And then Haley's just off in her own, I don't know, world with Lucas. Yeah, like, have you ever, um, back in high school, did you ever have a class with somebody, and then the two of you were, like, friends during that class, and you would run into each other in the hallway, you'd be like, oh, hey! Like, did you get the English homework? Like, yes, I did! Wasn't that so hard? Oh, yeah! <laughs> like, you would just, like, have, like, a lot of fun. I don't know why I exaggerated it so badly like that, but <laughs> whatever, you get the point. Um, and then, like, the next school year, the two of you don't even speak anymore. Yep. Have you ever had something like that happen? Yeah, Definitely. It's sad when that happens. So, like, I, you know, that, that moment was just very relatable. It is sad when that happens. Or, like, there's a friend who, like, you're kind of a friend out of convenience, but then they don't really want anything to do with you after time moves on or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that that happens even into your, even when you grow up, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, here. definitely. <laughs> so. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up, because that is really relatable. Yeah. 
Are we ready to talk about our top favorite moments? Yes. My favorite okay. part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us about your favorite quote. All right. So I have two. I have a funny one and I have a serious one. So you already said the funny one earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just That's so classic. Too, so we could just skip that. <laughs> yeah. Brooks quote at the basketball game. Oh, gosh. With the love rectangle plus one. <laughs> Classic Brooke Davis. It's just so classic. It really is. And then I really liked uh, Lucas's voiceover, which is actually a quote from Of Mice and Men. And you do see Lucas in this episode holding Of Mice and Men. He's on the school bus on on his way to the away game. And one thing I found interesting about the quote is that it's taken from the book. But the ending portion is different. One Tree Hill included their own ending line to the quote, and it's different in the book. Oh, really? How do they change it? So Lucas's voiceover, as happens sometimes, a moment settled and hovered and remained for much more than a moment. And sound stopped and movement stopped for much, much more than a moment. And then the moment was gone. So the quote from Of Mice and Men is the same thing. Except it doesn't say, and then the moment was gone. It says, then gradually time awakened again and moved sluggishly on. Oh. I guess they were trying to be more dramatic in One Tree Hill. Yeah. I mean, it it fits better for what they were trying to say on One Tree Hill, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's just Lucas's own words. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the same. I mean, it's pretty much saying the same thing in both the book and then on One Tree Hill, but. I feel like One Tree Hill is just a little bit more direct, and that word gone is kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's a little bit more dramatic, I would say. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) So, for those of you who know what happens out of Mice and Men, Lenny, one of the main characters, he kills Curly's wife by accident, and then he sees her laying there in the barn. Oh, jeez, I completely forgot about this story. Yeah, and that's what happens in a mice and men. So that's, that's when it reads this quote. So it's like this moment was so like shocking. It's like time stopped. It's super depressing. <laughs> like super <laughs> depressing. I reread for this podcast episode. I reread the ending of it and was like, oh my god, I'm so sad. <laughs> it's just so. <laughs> yeah, you texted me so earlier upsetting. today. You're like, I am so sad, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah. Because it was sad, because I honestly didn't remember what happened in that, to be honest. Yeah, so based on what I just said, I don't think there's really any, like, direct connection to One Tree Hill. Yeah, I was about to say, the quote in One Tree Hill is taken in a completely different oh, yeah. context. And what also I found interesting, just to go off on a little of Mice and Men tangent, the title of, of Mice and Men was actually taken from a Robert Burns poem to a mouse. I'm going to read the line that that the title was taken from. The best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew. Okay. And like I said, that's just one line from the poem. And I found that interesting because one of the themes in Of Mice and Men is about dreams and having dreams for the future. And I think you could loosely connect that to One Tree Hill a little bit. Because I feel like these characters, they have dreams specifically... Well, you know, Dan has dreams and Nathan has dreams of basketball. Like, that's that's what their world centers on. And I found it interesting that the best laid schemes of mice and men often go askew, meaning they're often interrupted. They often, things don't go as you plan them to go. And oh. I feel like specifically Nathan and even Dan, like, they have these plans, but things aren't necessarily going the way they wanted them to go. Lucas is kind of interfering with their plans right now. And I feel like Lucas's life isn't really going the way that he thought it was. I don't think he ever saw basketball as his future. I found that to kind of be interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so between that quote and Brooke's quote, which one is your favorite? Brooke's quote. Oh, okay. I love how you launch into like this, you know, literary analysis. It's very intelligent, very well said. And then you're like, no, but Brooks quotes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so funny. Well, we picked the same one. That was the first time we picked the same quote. Woo! But what was your favorite musical moment? So we'll see if we got the same one for this. Oh, I love the final song in the episode. Mmm, that is a good one. 
Oh my gosh, I loved it so much. So what is the song? Headlights by Dispatch plays at the very end when they're all driving in the car, they're driving home, and then also plays into when they're at school the next day and Haley sees Peyton and they're wondering, you know, will they be friends? Mm -hmm. And it's also playing over Lucas's voiceover. And I thought it was really powerful, specifically the line, your life collides with mine. And obviously you can take that literally because the girls almost physically collided into the boys as they were walking down the road. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's like a deeper meaning to that because their lives literally are colliding and things are changing. Mm-hmm. Things are radically changing from what they were at the beginning and like in the pilot. So I think that represents a lot. Oh, I yeah, love the mood of the song. I don't know. I just, I loved it. And then at the end, it kind of touches on... um forgiveness of someone's faults and i like the final line the door is open come on inside oh which makes you kind of wonder like what will happen next which i feel like you're wondering that at the end of the episode too yeah it's like you know will they actually um like all these characters will they actually invite each other into their lives like will peyton invite Haley in and vice versa nathan and lucas will they invite each other in Yep, exactly. Who knows? I'm excited. And that this, you can kind of think of the episode itself as the door to what will happen. Cool. It's getting really deep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite musical moment? Mine. I did like that song, don't get me wrong. But I have to pick um, a song that didn't really like stick out to me when I first watched it. But it plays during the opening exterior shots when Peyton gives Lucas the mixtape or mix CD, I should say. Mm -hmm. And when Nathan invites Haley to the game, the song's like, you know, it's like very subtly playing in the background. And I'm like, I started to listen. I'm like, I'm kind of liking the vibe of this song. It's called Impossible by Lucky Town. And I don't know, like, it just sort of has, like, a high-energy feel to it. I feel like we we had, like, alternative-type songs up until this point in the season. And that's the first one where I'm like, this is a pop song. And I'm kind of digging it. You know, it has, like, a real positive energy to it. And I feel like it sets off the episode very well, because the episode is very positive. And I had to look into, like, this band. So, again, the song is called Impossible, and the band is called Lucky Town. I tried Googling Lucky Town. The fucking Bruce, Bruce Springsteen album comes out instead of this band, which I'm just saying, like, oh my god, how misogynistic. But apparently the band is from Virginia Beach, and the lead singer actually went on to do a solo career. But I can't find anything current that the lead singer is up to now, so I would really like to know what all the band members are up to, but especially the lead singer. So, if you know anything about Lucky Town, please email us, alwaysothpod at gmail.com, because I would like to know. Love it. I don't remember that song too much. Yeah, it's it's very subtle. Like you don't. Yeah, it's very hard to like pick out, <laughs> but it's it's a bop, I think. So, what was your rating for the episode? I'm really like between ratings. Okay, I'm having a hard time with it, Jeremy. Do you want me to tell you mine? Can first, you tell then? me yours? Speaking of, you're having a hard time, and so did I. <laughs> what? Just give me a high five, Kayla. Just give me a high five. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this episode. And it's not just because of the hard times, I promise. <laughs> I think there's a really great story in this episode. I really like the how the characters developed. It's just really fun. Like I said earlier, it's the episode I always look forward to rewatching when I start season one. As soon as I get to this point, I'm like, yes, this is when the show starts to get good. And that is why I give it five out of five queer directors. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so... Got your first five out of five from me, kids. Can we give half scores? No. We really can't? I don't know. I mean, you can, but like, let's explain why. Why is it a half? I'm between four and five. I don't know. I think of other five out of five episodes that I absolutely love without a doubt. And I- Okay, well, don't compare it to other episodes then. Like, what would you say? Like, just seeing this, like, on its own, what would you think? I probably would say it's a four out of five. Oh, Okay. Four out of five, love rectangles plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode builds up a lot of the characters' relationships, which I said earlier, specifically Lucas and Nathan, and the girls, and also the adults. I think it does that in a really creative way, so I have to give this episode props. I really enjoy it. I'm just, 
I'm unsure if I want to give it a five out of five, but it's really close to that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think this is really necessarily like the high point of the series, to be fair. So. Yeah, see, it's so hard. It's so hard to pick. I don't know. There's just different. Yeah, I'm trying not to like compare it to like, you know, oh, there are, of course, there are better episodes than this one. Yeah, there are. But I'm trying not to like think yeah. of like the rest of it. I mean, that's how I do my scores, at least. <laughs> But I am very excited for the rest of the season. So am I. And I am especially excited for the next episode. Ooh, really? Are we going to get a five out of five from you? Maybe. Ooh, okay. Find out in the next episode. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at MissIReads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing you. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is a reminder to turn off this podcast if you do not want any spoilers. So let me tell you about one observation I made. You know the referee who kicks Nathan Lucas out of the game? Yeah. That actor, whose name I'm completely forgetting right now, because I didn't write it down. Let me look it up. His name is BJ Britz. Did you recognize him at all, Caitlin? No, I did not. So the actor comes back in season six and plays Nathan's rival on the Charleston Chiefs. The character, his name is Devin Fox. Oh my gosh, that's an obscure fact. Yeah. If you um if you actually look up his character on Wikipedia, Wikipedia treats him as the same character. Both the referee and the player are the same person. I don't know if they were really thinking that far ahead though. They have the same name? Well, you, the referee doesn't even have a name in this episode. Oh, okay. But according Wikipedia, they treat the character, Devin Fox, as, oh, in season one, he was the referee, but then in season six, he comes and <laughs> he's a rival against Nathan. I don't think they were supposed to be the same character, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting little connection. But yeah, he's only in a few episodes in season six. His character doesn't last very long, but I picked up on that. That's really funny. You can always count on, I can always count on you to find the obscure facts about <laughs> actors and trivia. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> that is so sweet. So I see you left a little note here on our discussion outline. What did I leave? Brooke claimed Lucas. Yes! What do you want to talk about, Jeremy? (laughs) Do you want to start a fight? Is that what you're trying to do right now? I was kind of aggressive and high wrote it down on our script, and I did like four exclamation points. Brooke claimed Lucas. Four exclamation points. Yeah, what? I'm just saying. What's with the exclamation points? What's with the exclamation points? It wasn't so much to yell at you, although it might have had like some part of it. Mm hmm. I just got really excited because there was, like, a very clear line being presented here. She did say that you have the weekend to make a move on Lucas, but then after that, he is mine. So, and Peyton even, like, you know, she tries to reassure Brooke. She says, "There's I don't like him. Like, there's nothing going on. She doesn't say those exact words. Yeah, but I am just saying, Brooke did everything right here. Yeah, she really did give Peyton a chance and then Peyton of course has to realize at the wrong moment when things are already too late that she wants Lucas which I get it like Peyton has a lot of trauma I get it I have space for that do not get me wrong but I am just saying like Brooke definitely did and I don't want to say like laid claim on him because you know Lucas isn't a prize so he won or anything like that I'm not saying he is well she did pretty much claim him though (laughs) yeah <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say though is that you know she did like she gave Peyton an opportunity. She really did. And she didn't want to admit it. And then Peyton decides later to betray her best friends for a boy. I know that part is problematic. I know. 
We will definitely dissect the hell out of that, but I'm still waiting forever. Fine. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just something I definitely had to point out because, like, I I was actually, like, looking for that this season. I was like, hmm, when did Brooke actually, like, like, claim? And it was, it's right here. It happens right here. And again, like, you know, Lucas has his own autonomy, too. He can choose whichever girl he wants. Yeah, Um, he can. I feel like fans often look at Brooke like that. They think, like, oh, Brooke saw Lucas from Peyton. But that's not what happens at all. It's very clear. I know what you mean. And I kind of think of it like that, too. I don't know. I still think (laughs) Brooke knew that Peyton had feelings for him. But Peyton just wouldn't admit it directly. Yeah, but is that Brooke's fault? I don't think so. I know. But she kisses Lucas in the next episode that we're going to discuss. I mean, Peyton makes it so clear, but she just can't directly say it because she doesn't want to be vulnerable. But it's so clear that she likes Lucas. So I still think that's why people believe that Brooke stole Lucas from Peyton. Yeah. I think both views are valid, honestly. Yeah. Because you have a point, but at the same time, I think Brooke knew. I don't think she did, honestly. I don't think she did because always OTHpod at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm still not that voice of my thoughts, Caitlin, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear your thoughts anymore. We're moving on. <laughs> um, but like that's putting on um, the pressure on Brooke to be a mind reader at that point. And I don't think that's really fair either. I know. Let's get let's get to those episodes and really dissect and pay attention to <laughs> what happens. I wonder how long we're gonna last on this podcast if we're gonna keep <laughs> In these little scuffles. <laughs> what if we get to like episode like nine and we're just like, you know what? Like, this is just too divisive for us. We just have to give up. <laughs> we just have to we just have to quit this. Like Well, I mean, who ended up together? So Oh, okay. Whatever. You're wrong. I don't like Luca. Okay. I'm not gonna say this because I do not want to offend you. What? Say it. <laughs> I like Brooke with Julie, and I like who Brooke ended up with. I still don't like Peyton with Lucas. How? I like Peyton with Jake. We've been over this. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to rewatch this, Jeremy, and we're going to look at it from new angles and new viewpoints. (laughs) I can't believe you. I'm offended and I'm raising my voice right now. I'm so upset with you. I love how cute you are. You're like, I am raising my voice right now. It's like, wow, I feel like I'm cringing right now. (laughs) This is how Jeremy and I fight. It's not really a fight at all. (laughs) It kind of is, though. Wait, did I ever tell you, this may be breaking news for you, did I ever tell you about the campaign I participated in to get Brooke and Lucas back together? Get out! What campaign? Oh, this is, I'm so excited to share this story on this platform. Oh my god. Um, so you know in season three, Brooke writes 82 letters to Lucas over the summer. Yep, I remember. And then we find out later on that she doesn't, she never sent any of the letters, and then she um, shows up to Lucas's door with a box, with a box of those 82 letters, and she says there are 82 letters in here, and they're all addressed to you. Okay, so that's the context right there. I love that scene still. I oh, that's such still a good love scene. the scene, and I love Liam more. Mm, oh my god. So anyway, there was this campaign, I forgot who started it, I don't remember for the life of me, I wish I did, um, but it started on MySpace. Kids, MySpace was basically Facebook, but more fun. Um, (laughs) MySpace was more fun, actually. I really loved it. Um, But anyway, so this MySpace page started this campaign. They were looking for 82 fans to write letters to Mark Schwann to tell him to put Brooke and Lucas back together again. And I was one of those 82 letters. You wrote a letter? I did write a letter. (laughs) There were actually 82 that were sent? Yeah, there were 82 fans. Like, the, the MySpace just, like, sent out, like, a message, oh, like... too funny. It was a bulletin, yeah. And they said, like, hey, if you would like to be a part of this, like, reply to this message. And I responded. I'm like, oh, I'll be a part of it. So, they got a shoebox, filled it with 82 letters from people around the country, possibly around the world. I don't really know how far One Tree Hill was reaching at that point. Oh, my gosh. And they sent the 82 letters to Mark Schwann. That's kind of amazing, actually. So, I was one of those 82 fans. Wow. <laughs> it did not work. It did not work, obviously. But 
I was very excited. You're left wondering at the end of season five, will it be Brooke? Will it be Peyton? Will it be Lindsay? Yeah. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, too, I think those letters were actually sent, like, around season five. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, but we're gonna be we're gonna be fighting a lot about this. Let's move on to another topic, like Brooke and Haley's friendship. I do love Brooke and Haley because I feel like you always think of Lucas, or sorry, of Peyton and Brooke, but Haley has friendships with both of them as well. And mm-hmm. in the end, Haley is the one that's there for Brooke when they get older. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact because Hillary Burton had to leave the show. I know. Had to leave is wrong on the side. Like, she she needed to leave. Yeah. Because of, like, all the toxic bullshit she was dealing with. She had to leave. And I do not blame her at all. Um, But yeah, Brooke and Haley's friendship, it's just so funny to think about it. Like, this is where it starts. Because, you know, Brooke can't even call Haley by her proper name. I know. She, <laughs> she calls her Brooke. And then from for most of season one, calls her Tudor Girl. Yeah. Doesn't even refer to her by name or anything like that. But then later on, they end up becoming roommates. And I love when they're roommates. I think, like, that's, that's true, what yeah. makes season three so great. I love when they're roommates together. And then, yeah, they were each other's maid of honor at their respective weddings. Oh, Haley had... Oh, yeah, she did have Brooke. You're right. Yeah. Huh. That's funny that Brooke became closer to Haley. That's a really good point. Yeah. I still remember that whole scene where Brooke asked Haley to be her maid of honor. She says, like... Oh, little baby Sawyer is sick. You know, like, Peyton has... I've been going through so much, and Peyton was not there for me. But you know who was there for me? You, Haley. So I would like you to be my maid of honor. That paints Peyton in such a bad light. I remember us talking about that that night, that episode. Yeah, we didn't like how that was thrown in there. Yeah, we texted each other. We were like, that was kind of (laughs) crappy. Yeah, it was. Like, they make Peyton look so bad. It it almost would have been better if they just didn't say anything at all. Regardless, I still love Brooke and Haley's friendship. I think even more so than I like Brooke and Peyton's. What do you got against Peyton? I I love Peyton. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> listeners at home, you can. Uh, Caitlin is giving me uh, the stank eye right now. I do love Peyton, but I like Peyton on her own or with Jake. <laughs> How can you not love Brooke and Peyton? Oh my God, they're so funny. When I say I like Brooke and Haley, it's only like a by a small margin. There's one scene in season three that's one of my favorite scenes ever and one of my favorite episodes ever, and I just love them. Which one's that? We'll get to it later. I'm gonna leave you in suspense. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like clarify. Oh my god, I'm re- you're gonna have us get canceled, Caitlin. You're gonna have me get canceled. I like Brooke and Peyton only a little bit less than Brooke and Haley. Now, Luke- Lucas and Peyton versus Lucas and Brooke, it's a marginal difference. So yeah. I'll put words in my mouth. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something that's yeah. not broken. Can we or move related. on? Let's because talk- I'm ready to just stop the podcast. Forget it, Jeremy. I'm going to find a new host. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really sad, like, listeners tune in next week. Be like, who, who was this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's. All right, Jeremy. Let's talk about Karen and Keith. I love them so much. How can you not love them? It's so So if beautiful. you tell me right now you I, don't like them, we're really, for real. I love them. For no, real, I love for them. For real. You're out. <laughs> oh, I love them. Okay. I love them. I, I do like that Karen was able to find happiness with Andy afterward. I do love that, too. Oh, it's just so sad to watch it from the beginning now. Like, when you know what's going to happen inevitably in season three, it's so hard to watch this. It's really sad to see it get built up and then nothing happens. I mean, you know, we do get a little bit of happiness between the two of them, but it doesn't last very long, and it's... Yeah, it's a stupid car accident in this season, which then prevents them from actually, you know, being together, and then she's with Andy, and then by the time she realizes her feelings for Keith, like, yeah, you get a few episodes of happiness, and then that's it. Keith's gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, my god. Karen gosh. proposes. Oh, it's so tragic. It's so sad. But I do like that they allowed Karen to be happy afterward, though. Yeah, I'm glad, too. So, I do like Keith better, but it's not that it's not like Andy was terrible, besides the whole, like, teacher dating a student thing, which, that's something we're gonna... Yeah. <laughs> Are we even gonna get to the fact that Karen and Dan were dating again? <laughs> I don't think I want to talk about that yet. Yeah, not now. Yeah. 
Let's wait. <laughs> uh, I'm glad she found happiness with Andy, though. Yes, definitely. Wow, Caitlin. So we've recorded six episodes so far. I know. You know, it's just been really great recording this podcast during quarantine from our own houses. <laughs> yes. You know what? It's a shame that neither of us has a glass house, though. Which, by the way, is the title of the next episode. It's called Life in a Glass House, which is the seventh episode of season one. And we will be talking about that next week. Here is the episode description from our old One Tree Hill DVD sets. Every year, Dan hosts a basketball appreciation party. But this is the first year both his sons will attend. Add in romantic complications with Peyton, Brooke, and Haley, and stand back for emotional fireworks. We'll be seeing ya.